What do you do with Nate, huh? What do you do with Nate? Well, I think Nate was wrong. I think I've done, where are you, Nate? There you are. I think I've done really good. So you need to correct Nate. When you see him, he's over here to say, Nate, no, you're wrong. He's done really good. Can you do that for me? I'd appreciate that. Welcome. I am glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. Boy, if this is your first time or one of your first times, I know it's hard to step into a place that's newer. Thanks for doing that. Um, if you're joining us online, we appreciate you doing that. Thanks for being with us. So, fall of 1997, my wife and I went to uh, Concepcion, Chile to be missionaries. And we get down there about two or three weeks and we find out National Independence Day uh, for Chile is September 18th. They just refer to it as El 18. It's a big party and we get invites. We're about two weeks in. So sure, we'll go, but we don't know what to expect of this party. Well, we find out. Now, keep in mind, I'm an early morning guy. Late at night, I kind of fade and away I go. Well, they don't fire up the girls until about 10 o'clock at night. And so you are eating barbecued meat about midnight. And you have indigestion for the next three days from this party. Well, we were new to the culture. We didn't know what to expect from that invitation. What's my point? You know, Jesus makes an invitation to us too. And what's that all about? If, if a, an invitation from a different culture caught us by surprise, how much more an invitation from the God of the universe? What's that invitation all about? That's what we want to talk about today. So if you've got a Bible, if you'd open it to John chapter 1, We'll start in verse 35, and we'll go through the end of the chapter, verse 51, asking this question, what's Jesus' invitation all about? What's Jesus' invitation all about? Now, we are in week three of a 23-year series in the Gospel of John. No, we're not going to be that. That's just, just joking. We're going to be in a, about 30-some-odd weeks. I'm not quite sure yet. But what we found out is John walked with Jesus for three years on the earth in public ministry. And in his three years, he became absolutely convinced that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he took the pains to write an account. Now, he didn't write every event down. He said, I didn't have enough room to do that. But I, he wrote enough to convince people through the ages, like you and me, that Jesus is this Christ, the, the eternal Son of God. He said, that's why I'm doing it. I'm writing this gospel so you will believe in him, and in believing in him, you'll have life. So there's no pulling, no punches here. This is why he did it. So early in the chapter, he introduced us to Jesus, the eternally existent God, the Son of God. He says Jesus has explained God. God is totally other, totally infinite. Jesus is fully God, fully human. John 1.18, he said he's explained him. Then he said that um, God sent a forerunner to get people ready. Because there had been 400 years that Israel had not had a prophetic word. They had not heard from God. So he said, I gotta get somebody to get your hearts prepared to hear from God. So you heard me explain a couple weeks ago that when my wife and I knew we were going to Latin America, there was a lady at the seminary, um, an American had married a Colombian, and, and once a week she would come by. And she would give a Spanish lessons, and she would stay in Spanish the whole time. What? To get our ear ready to hear Spanish. We started listening to Spanish music, praise it. We started listening to Spanish radio. And, and why? Because we wanted to get our ears accustomed. Well, God wants to get the people's heart accustomed because it's been 400 years 
heard from God. And so last week we heard John the Baptist say that even though he was born before Jesus, Jesus was before him and suggesting that Jesus was eternally existent. And then when he saw Jesus, he said, whoa, whoa, there's the Lamb of God. And so we're in the midst of John's public ministry, uh, starting in verse 35. It says, again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked, and he said, here's our phrase again, behold the Lamb of God. That's a powerful metaphor in Israel, because every year they slayed a lamb, putting people's sin on that lamb. But they had to do it every year. Because the lamb was perfect by nature, Jesus was perfect by choice. And what we found out is Jesus is the final sacrifice who takes away the sin of the world. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. John, you're building a mega ministry, man. Maybe a mega church. I mean, it was so big that the religious officials, remember Israel was a theocracy, they were concerned because John the Baptist was drawing a lot of people. So they sent out a bunch of people to ask, who are you? You're this guy, you're that guy. No, no, well, who are you? And John said, I'm a voice crying the wilderness. But he has a, a booming ministry. And now he's saying to his disciples, go follow Jesus? You're subtracting from your ministry there, John. Yeah. Why? Because it was never about John the Baptist. It was always about Jesus. And later, his, his disciples would get all bent out of shape. And John would say, he must become greater and I must become less. That's a model for you. It's a model for me. It's not about us. We're pointing people to Jesus. And if we become diminished, we, so be it. That, that is God's purpose. We find significance in that. So he points these two guys to Jesus. In verse 38, it says, and Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what do you seek? It's, Jesus is going to see, ask a lot of questions. He doesn't make a lot of statements. He asks a lot of questions. What do you seek? What are you looking for? What's on your mind? So it functions at one level at that, but I, I think there's a deeper part. What do you want out of life? What do you want out of life? They said to him, Rabbi, that's a term of honor, which translated means teachers. Where are you staying? So it's obvious they want a, a longer conversation with Jesus. They just don't have a couple questions. And he said to them, come and you will see. Open invitation. Jesus isn't trying to bring them. So he says, come, check it out. Come and see. So they take him his word. So they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour, about 4 o'clock. They're going to spend the evening. And we're reading between the lines here, but over a meal, they're probably going to banter. And what about, what about? You know, Jesus' invitation, it's not a high-pressure invitation. It's come and see. Come and check it out. Going off to college my freshman year, um, I was going to go secure my livelihood. We'd had an unstable job security, and I was going to be an engineer, and I was going to get a stable job. And and so Saturday night, classes begin to Monday. I go to the Memorial Student Center. If you guys are UNL students, this would be akin to Big Red Welcome. I want to get pizza coupons, don't you know? Because you get a lot of pizza coupons there and stuff from other things. And then you got to sign up for cable. But people, it was cable radio that I was signing up for. We didn't have cable TV at that point. So I was in College Station, Texas. And the radio stations were hokey. So you get cable radio, so you get the stations out of Houston and Dallas. Now, there's something you probably don't sign up for every day, do you? Cable, 
cable radio. So I'm doing all that. In the middle of that, somebody says, hey, you want to fill out a religious interest survey? Sure. Three questions. I'm on my way because I want to max out on pizza coupons. Tuesday, somebody knocks on my door. Do you remember doing this? No, I don't, but that's clearly my handwriting. Well, we're starting a Bible study on the floor. Would you be interested? Sure. Sure. I didn't know. I just thought, well, I'm a... You know, I'm probably a pretty good guy, but I'll do some things. This will be a good balance. I'm not, and I came from a religious system that taught you kind of work your good versus your bad. So I remember getting in the first Bible study, and we're going to study in the book of John, actually where we are. So I go to find John, and I am in Jonah. And they say, no, 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 you need to go this way towards the back of the Bible. So I do, and I end up in two John. Well, at least I got John. No, no, you need to go back the other way. Why don't I just go to the table of contents? I didn't know jack about the Bible. We met once a week for six months. And the guys that would lead in the study would stop by and they'd talk to me a couple times. It was easy access to the dorms in those days. Man, I began a long six-month process of who is this? I don't know when it was going to come to a conclusion, but in February, two guys in that dorm study came to faith and they want to be baptized. And I thought, well, I want to be baptized. And the guy said, well, Andy, we need to talk. And for like the 94th time, I heard the gospel that I wasn't good enough, that I had to put my full trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. And, and everybody's got a different story. But for me, it was this phrase that got me. Ephesians 2, 9, 2 8, 9, for by grace you've been saved through faith. Now here's the phrase, not as a result of works. Those six words got me. And I had to make a decision. Look, I've been doing this for six months. Either I'm going to put my faith that this is true, or I'm going to get out of the study. I, I, I just, I need to go. And that day, in February, I made a decision. I'm going to follow God as he reveals himself in the scripture. That was a six-month process. Some of you are in process thinking about Jesus, and, and you're not sure where you, under, where you stand. We're glad you're here. We want to give you space to do that. Man, it took me six months to reach some of the conclusions, and I'm still in process, but a major, we want to provide that space for you. So that's what Jesus is doing. It's not a high-pressure thing. It's come and see. So we want to provide that environment, come and see. So verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now, I want you to pay attention here, because if you get nothing else out of this message and out of this series, I want you to get this point, okay, to have your attention. If you see a guy in the scripture named Andrew, he is a spiritually trustworthy fellow. You can put your confidence in a guy named Andrew, can't you? There we go. Any other Andrew? Yes. Yeah. So you get those Andrews, and this is, this is why I went to seminary, to learn these little nuances of the scripture. He, Andrew, found his own brother, Simon Peter, and said to him, we found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. Now, you heard Nate talk about a class. We're going to be teaching people ideas, rhythms of evangelism. And there's a lot of ways to do it, but I think this is the most effective way. He's speaking brother to brother, friend to friend. There's relational credibility. That's not saying God can't use kind of a more evangelist contact where you don't know the person, but, but you see... Andrew saying to his brother, man, I found 
Do you have friends? Do you have family members? God's put them there for a reason. Could you pray for them and see if you could share your story? And here's what Andrew does. He says, man, we found the Messiah, the anointed one. Now, Andrew, how'd you figure that out? Well, later, this brother Simon Peter will come to that conclusion, and, and Jesus will say, you know, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven did. There's, there's a, a spiritual component, no doubt, to come to the conclusion that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And yet I think God honored Andrew's willingness to investigate, to pursue Jesus, to ask questions. If you're in that process right now of asking questions, here's, here's a question maybe I suggest that you could pose to Jesus, to God the Father. God, if Jesus is your eternal son, would you make that clear to me? If, if you're in process and you don't know where you stand, God's, man, if he's there, he's infinite. He can do anything. He can communicate anyway. God, if Jesus is your eternal son, the one who gives life, would you make that clear to me? So, Andrew has brought Peter to Jesus. Here's what Jesus does. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You're Simon, the son of John. You should be called Cephas. This change of name is symbolic of a change of character. Cephas means rock. I don't know if it refers so much to, Jesus, uh, to Peter's character or the fact that he's going to be part of the foundation of the church. Maybe it's both. But here's what's significant. Jesus sees us for what we can be. Jesus doesn't see Simon as he is. He sees him as he will be. And we're going to change your name. You know, if you follow Christ, he'll change your name. He'll change your character. He'll change you from the inside out. He'll change the direction of your life. My freshman year in college, if you had told me I would be a pastor, I would have laughed you out of the... In fact, I was a senior. I would stay at A&M for a graduate degree. But I remember it was second semester senior year. And I was at Campus Crusade meeting. And this meeting, we're going to have a time to share. And I, I stood up and shared just for 30 seconds of a verse that God had impressed on me and I sat down and out of the corner of my eye I saw a couple of the camps who say staff go like who knew anything spiritual could come out of that guy I mean even the staff were shocked but God can do that kind of work God had begun to work I had moved in with a guy in senior year and he began to teach me the Bible God can do that kind of work and that's what he's seeing in Peter I'm not seeing you as you are. I'm seeing you as you could be. Those of you who are parents and grandparents and friends, are you seeing your sons and daughters and grandchildren and your friends and coworkers as they can be? Would you ask Jesus to give you the vision for what they might be? So Jesus is on his way to Galilee in verse 43. The next day he purposed to go into Galilee and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Again, a low-pressure deal. Come and see. Follow me. Here's what we find out about Philip. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Did Andrew and Peter have a voice to Philip? And Philip, hearing those voices, comes to Jesus. What else to stop? Remember the question he asked? What's, what's Jesus' invitation all about? Remember, it's come and see. Follow me. It's not a high-pressure sale. It's, it's come check it out. Come make an informed decision about me. 
So we ask this question, what's, what's Jesus' invitation all about? Here's it is. Jesus invites us to follow him. That's the invite. Follow me. Jesus is saying, follow me. Check me out. Don't feel pressured, but step in. See what you find out. So in August of 2002, we had gotten confirmation that I would be hired on at Lincoln Berean as a singles pastor, and we would be moving from Sierra Vista, Arizona. Um, we made some money on the sale of our house. I would be um, making significantly more money at Lincoln Brian than I was in Arizona, and we had enough money to be, now this is, you know when you're stepping up, we had enough money to buy a minivan, people. We were going to be buying a minivan. We had two kids. Our second child had been born. He was a year old when we moved, and we had two little cars, and so I thought, well, I'm going to go. I know nothing about minivans. I don't think we're going to buy here. I think we'll wait till we get to Lincoln, which in fact we did. But I went to this place outside of Tucson. It was just an hour from where we lived, and they were having this minivan sale. So I explained to the salesperson, look, look, I'm not looking to buy. Can I just say, oh, sure, sure, no problem. Well, one thing led to another. Andy, you got you to gotta drive it. I mean, just high pressure. Andy, I know you don't want to buy it, but let me see what I can do. I really don't want to buy it. Let me go talk to my sales manager three times. Three times he goes to the salesman each time they're dropping the price. Man, I told you, I don't want to buy. So the third time the salesman goes, well, that's the best I can do. I guess he's not going to buy today. Yeah, you're right. I'm not going to. But I thought, I will never, ever do business with you again. Because you crossed my boundaries. You pressured me when I said I just wanted to look. That's 180 degrees of Jesus. Now, I will say this. If you take the invitation to follow me. If you take the invitation to come and see, it's my conviction. When you see Jesus, you'll have no other choice. But that'll be your choice. Later, we'll get into a John 6. Jesus explains to the people, I'm the bread of life, and that's, I'm the essence of life. I, I, I'm to give meaning to life. And a lot of people who were disciples, learners of Jesus, thought, yeah, I'm, I can't do that. I, I'm out. And you would think, well, Jesus would have ran after him. Hey, hey, hey. What no, no, no. That's not what Jesus did. He turned to his disciples and said, do you want to leave too? Because I'm not going to pressure you into it. This is going to be your choice. But there's some people. There's Andrew. And there's Peter. And there's Philip. Who've examined Jesus and come to the conclusion they're going to follow him. He's the son of God. So we're on a roll. So, so everybody just falls in line, don't they? Is that how it works? Let's see. Verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Whoa, that's pretty, you're saying, Philip, you've determined that the whole Old Testament, Moses, all those guys they wrote about Jesus. Yeah, that's, that's Jesus. How'd you reach that conclusion? Again, I, I think it, God honored Philip's willingness to investigate but it was a work of God that showed him, yeah, Jesus is the fulfillment of all that is written in the Old Testament. So we'd expect another quick decision to follow Jesus, right? Verse 46. Nathaniel said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Do any of you have friends who are skeptics or cynics? That's the answer of a skeptic and a cynic. He's not looking at Jesus, he's looking where he came from. Nazareth was not a, situa a city with a good reputation can't be the Son of God, can't be the one God wrote about in the Old Testament, it comes from Nazareth. 
It's interesting. Jesus wasn't born in Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem's the city of royals. That's where David was born. Do you ever hear Jesus of Bethlehem? I don't. I hear Jesus of Nazareth. He chose to identify with the down and outers. That shouldn't shock us. They said he was the friend of sinners. Jesus isn't looking to highlight his royalty. He's looking to highlight the fact that he loves the broken. So Philip has gotten a cynical response. And here's a good model for us when we get a cynical response. Philip said to him, come and see. I wonder where he heard that. You're cynic, you're done. Well, why don't you check it out? I'm not going to argue with you. Why don't you have the intellectual? Just check it out. Your own time, your own pace. Jesus, I guess Nathaniel does, because verse 47, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Jesus wasn't put off by his cynicism, wasn't put on by him being jaded. <laughs> he knows Nathaniel. He said, your, your guy calls it like it is. There's no deceit in you. There's no guile in you. Nathaniel's kind of taken aback by that. How do you know me? He says to Jesus. Jesus goes full on with him and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Jesus wasn't in the same place. But before Philip even talked to him, I just said, I saw you under that fig tree. Whoa. Like, Jesus, you're omniscient. You know it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nathaniel answered, Rabbi, you are. I guess the testimony of his friends and this evidence sways him. You're the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, said to him, because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? Friend, you're going to see something a lot more. You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, because John is writing to convince you and to convince me that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. How do we respond? Maybe you're one of the people that's here that's not sure. And you're kind of thinking about Jesus. I'm so glad you're here. And we hope to give you space to figure that out. Well, Andy, what if I, what if I do want to take Jesus up at the come and see? What if I do want to take Jesus up at the follow me? Where would I start? Here's a great place to start. Read the Gospels. There's four of them. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Stay in John. Read a chapter a day. With an open Jesus, with this... Father, if Jesus is truly your son, the eternal existence of God, will you show me? Ask God. I'm coming and seeing. I'm following you. Would you reveal yourself to me as I read the four people who wrote accounts of your life? These people either were with Jesus or they had the words of someone who was with Jesus. Well, some of you say, well, yeah, Andy, I, I made that decision. Good, I'm glad. What about me? I think the call is still there. And it will be until we meet Jesus face to face, to come and see, to follow me. I refer to it, John 6, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the very essence of life. I'm the place you find life that starts now and into eternity. And the fact of the matter is, all of us generate idols. All of us have other places we look for life. And, and God's going to mess with that. 
He's going to mess with your priorities. He's going to mess with your values. I've alluded to it before, but I think he'll mess with the pace of life. Because life isn't found in don't do it. Jesus has a different way to live. Do you remember the first question he asked? He asked, what do you, what do you seek? He's asking, what's on your mind? Where are you looking for life? It's been 40 plus years for me, and God started with me early as a freshman and where I find security. I thought it was in a job. He said, no, it's in me, and, and so we go. My wife are in the process of parenting adult children, and we are learning what it is, yea, verily, what that means. I mean, wherever you are, security, jobs, significance, belonging, Jesus said, I want to meet those needs. So the invitation, if you've been walking with Jesus for 40 years, it's still there, follow me. What do you see? Come and see. Jesus is eternal. We're infinite. He's got a lot to show you that we haven't seen yet. So I guess you reach a certain age in this town, and you get on people's mailing list. So once a year, I get an invitation from a group of investors for a free meal at a nice restaurant in this town. And it's a nice restaurant, and it's free. But I also know they are going to want me to invest with them, and I have, my wife and I have chosen to do our taxes and invest somebody else as clergy specialist. So I thought, you know, I, I'm not going to go there because I don't know that I'd be comfortable. What, what's behind that invitation? It's just a free meal. No, no, no. There's a lot more behind that. You wonder, is there more to Jesus' invitation? No, I think we're going to see it throughout the Gospels. Here's Jesus' invitation to you and to me. No matter how long you've been walking with you, no matter whether you're checking them out, no matter what, where you are, the invitation is, follow me. The invitation is, come and see. The question for you is, what is on your mind? Where are you looking for life? She said, come follow me. We'll wrestle with those questions together. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we are grateful that we don't have a high-pressure God. He's not trying to sell us when we don't want to buy. But he's saying, come and see. Follow me. He's got a question. What's on your mind? What do you seek? Where are you looking for life? Lord, that we bring those questions before you and allow you in your way, in your time, to shape and to mold us. Thank you that you're patient, God. You're long-suffering, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.